Hello and welcome to Get Flushed, the sanitation podcast. My name's Pete. Over the last three episodes, I've looked at cleaning regimes, my experience with customer satisfaction campaigns, and the AirVote system, which allows operators to gather feedback and reactions from restroom users in real time. This week, I want to take a closer look at how toilet inspections are conducted on site. But before I get into that, I'd like to share some news. The first item is that following last week's interview with Angelique Deneman, the team at Texan Site Services have joined forces to use the AirVote system at the forthcoming Valero Texas Open event in San Antonio, which runs from March 29th through to April 4th. The Valero Open is the third oldest tournament on the PGA calendar, having started way back in 1922. Angelique sent me a message to share the news in this week's show. Everyone at AirVote is really excited to be working with Sanitrex and Texan site services at the Valero Texas Open in San Antonio. It's a great opportunity for restroom users to share their impressions in real time. Now, while the Sanitrex modules were already booked, I can't believe how quickly AirVote has been agreed. The conversation started as soon as the episode went to air and everything has been set up in a matter of days. I've also been able to talk with Dave Andres, the business development manager for Sanitrax in North America. Hello, Pete. Boy, what a great episode last week with AirVote. I immediately called uh, Angelique and we had a great conversation and we're really pleased to announce that Tech Sansite Services will have AirVote stickers in 150 of Tech Sansite Services plastic portajons across the course where Roy Baring and I will get text messages every time someone votes during live play. Boy, what an amazing opportunity to get customer feedback. Sanitrax believes that we have a tremendous game-changing sanitation solution for customers. We're excited to get that feedback. And when they vote green, it's going to go live on Facebook, which is pretty exciting as well. Of course, the yellows and the reds will come to us individually and we'll be able to respond to them immediately. And anyone that wanting feedback will be able to provide them a response right away. We're really excited to be partnering up with AirVote at the Valero Texas Open at the TPC San Antonio uh, here in a couple weeks. I'm looking forward to sharing the results of that trial in due course, but it really does seem the early bird catches the worm. The second item I want to share is also having a major impact on the industry. When I spoke with John Gadeekin from Service Corps about the trends for 2021 back in December, I mentioned that the industry was already starting to be affected by delays in both production and distribution. Well, we're starting to see those delays get even worse. It seems that the extreme weather that hit Texas recently shut down the production of plastic resin, the raw material used to form portable toilets. With production already behind because of COVID, industry experts are now reporting that the spot price of polyethylene and polypropylene resins have reached record highs. We're seeing unprecedented demand and limited supply. With very few events over the past 12 months and demand from construction projects and other work sites continuing to rise, a lot of operators have deployed their event fleets into routine weekly hires. With high demand, rising costs and limited supply, the industry is headed for a perfect storm. And even with the best laid plans, it's going to be hard to find shelter. 
I've had several inquiries from operators over the past two weeks regarding the templates and app that I mentioned in episode one when I spoke about conducting site visits. Questions have included things like, how long does it take to inspect a toilet? What should we be looking at? And what standards should we measure against? My aim today is to share my experience and ideas, and hopefully I'll answer those questions and more along the way. Let's start by thinking about the reasons why restroom operators should conduct site visits. For me, the primary reason is to make sure that your toilets meet the standards that you and your customers expect. Of course, there are a lot of really professional operators who make sure that every toilet is presented to the best standards every time. If you can say hand on heart that that's you, then you're already ahead of the game. But I've seen enough poorly maintained toilets to know that inspections need to be part of every restroom provider's regular routine. As well as checking for cleanliness and presentation, site visits also give you a chance to manage your assets. I'm a great believer in early intervention. It's always better to identify problems and deal with them when they're small. If you leave things for too long, there's always a risk that they'll escalate out of control. It's way cheaper to replace a couple of pop rivets on site than it is to swap a unit or write it off because it's been too badly damaged to repair. The third reason for making site checks is customer liaison. If your customers see you inspecting toilets on site, they'll know that you're taking their hygiene and comfort seriously. And that's often enough to keep them coming back. It's a great opportunity to remind customers to do their part as well. I hate to see tools and building supplies stored in toilets or building materials piled up outside. Even worse is seeing a toilet blocked in by mounds of earth or the skip bin. If people can't get to the toilet, they can't use it. And if your drivers can't get to it, they can't clean it. That will cost you time and money. A friendly chat with the people on site will go a long way to making sure that things like that don't become a major. Now I know that a lot of restroom operators will say they don't have time to complete visits on site or inspect their toilets. That's true, they probably don't. But I'd counter that by saying if you employ staff and you care about your customers and you care about your standards, you can't afford to assume that the toilets are being cleaned. You have to make sure. As I said in episode one, I've adapted a cost-effective tool that allows me to inspect toilets on site. It's quick and easy to use, and it lets me produce a report that can be shared electronically in real time and generate more complex analysis that identifies trends. The audit tool uses a simple series of questions or checks based on the standard operating procedure I described earlier in the series. It can be adapted to suit local cleaning regimes, but if you've never had a structured conversation with your team about the standards you want them to meet, it provides a great place to start. And I know that because it's been used over 5,000 times to assess real toilets on real sites. I spent a lot of time developing and refining this tool. I've tried lots of different approaches, I've rewritten the questions a thousand times, and I've tried lots of different scoring techniques. The version I'm going to use today is based on simple yes or no answers. When you look at a toilet, it's either clean or it's not. There's no in between. That might sound really harsh, but it gives clear and consistent results. I have tried using scaled responses. For example, on a scale of one to five or one to 10, how clean is the floor? But in my experience, scales like that are too subjective. They create confusion and they lead to inconsistent results. When does a five become a four, become a three, become a two, become a one? It's much better to stick with a simple yes or no. Now, before I start the inspection, I have to share a disclaimer. To produce this episode, I inspected a portable toilet somewhere in New Zealand. 
I'm not going to say where, I'm not going to name the operator, and I'm not going to say who hired it. I didn't ask anyone if I could do the inspection, and nobody had any warning I was going. All I can say is that the toilet was in a public place and open for use, so I didn't have to trespass or jump a fence. The sound quality will change a little bit now because I recorded the inspection on site using a handheld recorder. I tried to capture the best sound I could, but there was a little bit of wind noise and a couple of passing cars. So I'm on site, I've opened the app on my phone and I'll work through the 15 questions that I use to conduct an inspection. Number one, is the toilet stable and easy to get to? This one's nicely situated in a gravel car park. It's level and it doesn't move if I push it. There's plenty of space to open the door. I can't get round the back though because it's hard up against a fence, but that's okay. Someone's lent a metal barrier against the side, so I'll move that out of the way and I'll lie it on the floor so that it won't fall on anyone. Overall, question one, it's a yes and a pass. Number two, is there any damage or graffiti on the outside? Like a lot of portable toilets, this one's got a few scars. There are some scuffs and scrapes where it's been tied down on a trailer or a truck, and there are a couple of light scratches on the door. But that's all fair wear and tear. There aren't any holes, there's no graffiti, and none of the rivets are missing, and the roof looks pretty solid too. So that's a no and a pass for question two. Number three, is the outside of the cabin clean? I'll be honest, it's not brilliant. There are a few muddy marks on the sides, there's lichen on the roof, and spider webs on the hinges and vent. From experience, I'd say that the outside hasn't been cleaned in a while, maybe not since it left the yard. So that will be a no and a fail. Number four, are the correct signs or placards displayed? Now this is very much a local condition. I like to see the owner sign on the front and maybe the back and sides if that's their policy. And there should be white dangerous goods class 6.2 warning diamonds on all four sides as well. On this one, the owner's placard is displayed on the front, but there aren't any dangerous goods or hazardous waste stickers. When it's carried on a truck or a trailer, portable toilets need to be correctly labelled, and failure to display those signs can lead to quite a hefty fine. I'm going to say no to this question, which is a fail. Now if I was doing this audit for a client, I'd usually carry a roll of those white stickers with me. If I had some, I'd put them on and give it a pass. Question 5, does the door open and close, and does the lock work properly? A damaged door that doesn't open or close, or a lock that won't lock, will leave anyone who uses the bathroom vulnerable and compromised. This door's a bit squeaky, but it opens and closes really easily, and the lock slides in and out too, so that's a pass. Number six, is there any damage or graffiti inside the cabin? This is essentially the same check as I did outside. A quick scan of the walls, the tank, the roof, the floor, and the back of the door. I'll also check the seat and lid, the toilet roll holder and the sanitizer dispenser. Everything looks good, there's no damage and no graffiti, so that's another pass. Number seven, has the inside surfaces been washed? I have to say, this one's pretty dirty. There are cobwebs on the ceiling and vents, there's a layer of dust and dirt on the shelves and some muddy marks on the tank from people's feet. There's also a bit of dribble on the wall and the floor around the urinal and it smells like a toilet. Now I don't know when this unit was last cleaned, but experience tells me that the driver doesn't wash this unit when he or she comes to empty the tank, so I'm going to say no. Number eight, have the inside surfaces been wiped dry? Obviously it hasn't been washed, that hasn't been wiped, but I do like to see everything dried off. 
Of course, the cabin will dry naturally after it's been washed, but wet streaks tend to leave marks and attract dust and dirt. It really doesn't take very long to dry the unit with a microfiber cloth, a toweling rag or a chamois leather. And nobody likes a wet bottom from a wet seat. Now, because this hasn't been washed, it hasn't been dried, and there are two ways I can deal with this question. The first one is to give it a straight fail, and the second is to use a logic-based question. If I answer yes to the previous question, as the unit being washed, the app will ask me to check whether it's been dried. If I answer no, it hasn't been washed, it won't ask me if it's been dried. Either way, the answer to this question is no. Number nine, is there enough water in the tank? Time to lift the lid and look inside. I said many times on the show, blue chemicals work best if the waste is submerged and anything above the waterline will smell and that will attract flies and other vermin. This toilet's been used, there's a pile of paper and waste and the water level's really low. At a guess, I reckon that less than 10 litres were poured into this toilet when it was last cleaned. So number nine is a no and another fail. Number 10, is there enough blue in the tank? Well, I'm going to say yes, it's a pass to this one. Even though there's not very much water, what is there is bright blue. And that tells me the toilet has been cleaned sometime within the last few days. How do I know that? Well, over time, the blue chemicals turn green once they've been exposed to waste. Question 11. Is there any scale in the urinal? Now, I covered uric scale when I spoke to Tina Stinnett from Sunrise Environmental in Season 1. I'm sorry to say this toilet is really quite bad. It doesn't take much to keep on top of uric scale. A quick spray with urinal cleaner when you first arrive on site will go a really long way to keeping it in check. This one doesn't look like it's ever been done. I can see the scale and I can smell it. And that's a shame because it means there's another fail. Now if this unit didn't have a urinal, I could select not applicable and that would give me a non-scoring response. Is there enough toilet paper? Well, there's a toilet paper holder on the wall but there aren't any rolls on it. There are three empty cardboard tubes on the tank and a couple of rolls of household paper on the shelf. I'll say that's enough, but it suggests that they've run out quite soon after the last service, which, as I've just said, can't have been more than three or four days ago. If I was doing this audit for a client, I'd carry spare toilet rolls and I'd leave some, but on this occasion, I'm happy to say this is a pass. Number 13, is there enough sanitizer? Now looking around this unit, there's not a wall-mounted dispenser. That might be because the owner doesn't use them or it's been really difficult to source them because of Covid. There is a bottle of shop-bought sanitizer on the shelf and that's about two-thirds full. If there was a wall-mounted dispenser, I'd open the cover and see how much is left and I'd pump it to make sure it works. That's because some products have a tendency to congeal in the nozzle and that stops the sanitizer actually being dispensed. I pump the bottle, that works and that's a pass. Number 14 is there a urinal block? No, there isn't, so that's a fail. Now, I know a lot of operators don't use urinal blocks, but they really do help reduce the smell of that uric scale. If I was doing the audit for a client and they decided not to use urinal blocks, I'd make this one a non-scoring question too. And number 15, last one, is there a deodorising disc? Again, this one is designed to cover an operator that uses discs or doilies or other products to leave a nice smell in the cabin. If the standard operating procedure didn't include them, I'd skip the question. I like to see smelly rings placed where the air can flow through them, and Wallex actually make a holder that you can rivet to the wall. A lot of operators, though, put smelly rings on the shelves or wedge them into the vents, 
and that seems a bit of a waste because the fragrance drifts outside and too much airflow makes the discs dry out. There are four discs in this cabin, two on each shelf. That's a pass, but honestly, four is too many. It looks untidy and it's an extra cost you really don't need. Okay, I've run through the checklist. I'll now take a few photos and I'll press save. As soon as I've done that, the report's available. And this one shows that the toilet has scored 9 out of 15, which is 60%. That inspection took about 9 minutes, but that's because I did a lot of talking. In reality, I can run through all 15 questions and take photographs in much less time than that. And as I said, the report is produced as soon as I press save. I've also set up some code, which sends the report straight to the office or to the client. Now the toilet in that inspection scored 60%, but what exactly does that mean? Well, it shows that the toilet is functional, but there's room for improvement. Whether or not it's acceptable really depends on where the operator sets their standard. I like to see toilet scores of 75% or higher. As a customer, I'm pretty sure I'd want my toilets to be in the high 80s or 90s, and if I was hiring for an important event like a wedding, I'd expect perfection. Back at the start, I said that I'd been asked a lot of questions about the audits, and one of them was about the timing of the inspection. One of my good friends, who's quite an experienced portables manager, likes to look at toilets as soon as they've been serviced and before they've been used. While that makes sense, I don't agree. My experience has taught me it really doesn't matter when you do the check. You can always tell if a unit has been properly cleaned and maintained. Now I've seen some terrible things in portable toilets, mishaps where people have completely missed the target, vomit on the floor, tampons wrapped in paper stuffed behind the vent pipe and nappies or diapers left on shelves. Things like that are unpleasant but they don't prevent you from assessing the overall condition of the toilet. If an unnatural disaster has been left in the toilet when the driver arrives you'd expect them to clean up before they leave. And if the disaster happens after the driver has left, well, that's completely out of anyone's control except the person who left it behind. If I inspected a toilet and saw things like that, I'd call the customer and suggest they take another clean. The one thing I haven't discussed today is what you do with the audit feedback once the report has been produced. If you're scoring in the high 80s or 90s, you've got some great material to share with your drivers and existing and future customers. If you're down in the 50s or 60s, you've got some work to do. And if you're scoring less than that, well, you need to give me a call. If you want to use my inspection templates or let me help you improve your business, please email info at getflush.online or message me through social media. And before I end, I want to remind everybody today to follow the show or subscribe for free on your favourite podcast app. That will make sure you get the next episode delivered direct to your device. And if you can't wait for the episodes to be released at the weekend, check out our Patreon page. A modest donation will get you early access to every episode and bonus material not available anywhere else. That's patreon.com slash get flushed. Once again, thank you for your time. I've been Pete and you've been listening to Get Flushed, the sanitation podcast. <laughs> <laughs>